0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call two three four eight zero three four eight one zero eight six nine, or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Okay, praise God. All right, we want to continue with our deliberation on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Today we deliver verse 17. Uh, this is the rapture series. If you're catching up with us for the first time, through live streaming, Like I said, we're examining verse 17 today. The key point is, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds. Uh, I want to look at two things here. The them and then the cloud. But essentially those who are alive and remain shall have access into the presence of God in due time. In other words whether you are asleep in Jesus, whether you're alive or remain or dead in Christ, we are all coming together to experience the same glory. As we're going to find out later, the Bible says we do not have any advantage over them. Let's just go back to verse 16 and then we'll read through. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead Christ shall rise for us. But let's go back. No, let's go back to verse, verse 14. Let's start from verse 14. It makes more sense. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with Him. And then, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive, which which are alive and remain, Unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Prevent them. Now the word prevent actually means to have advantage over. It's not as if, it's a, if look, this is not English word. It's translated from the Greek, right? We'll talk about it a little bit. But what he's saying here is, You do not have any advantage over those who are falling asleep. In other words, all of us, those who are alive and remain, those who are falling asleep in Jesus, we're going to share equal glory. That's what it means. We'll come to that. But let's move on just a little bit. So we'll find that it's clear already from the previous studies, that the dead in Christ rise for us is an invitation into the most holy place, in the service of God, in the order of Melchizedek. You remember that? We're talking about coming to the place of power and dominion and authority. We explained that in the previous studies. So, to arise or to be dead, thou rise first. Dead in Christ, rise first. We're talking about a realm of authority and dominion and power. And Jesus Christ has moved into this realm as a forerunner. And let's look at Hebrews chapter 6 This is what it makes We partake in of his nature Hebrews chapter 6, 18 to 20 You know um, Entering within the veil This is what it said About two immutable things And which it was impossible for God to lie We might have a strong consolation We have fled for refuge To lay hold upon the hope set before us What hope? Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul Both sure and safe first, and which entering into that within the veil. Look at the next thing. In other words. The forerunner is for us enter. Even Jesus. Made an high priest forever. After what? The order of Melchizedek. That's what he's saying. You see. We are talking of entering this realm. Of the Melchizedek priesthood. Right? Which we already are. So when we say those who died in Christ arise false, we're saying these people will come into this place of experience in Christ, which is actually a realm of an endless life. The dead in Christ will come in false. Now, false is not necessarily saying others will not come in. Praise the Lord. Now, Hebrews chapter 6, verse, I mean, 7 verse 16 tells you what we're going to be revealing. And so, the Bible talks about Melchizedek. which is made not after the law of commandment, but after the power of what—an endless life. Meaning, we're coming to the place where our ministry. Can I tell you something here tonight? There's a big difference between being a servant of God and a minister of God. We use the word, "Help me, Lord." We use the word minister of God in relation to being a servant of God. Is that okay? But truly, even like Isaiah said, a time comes when they shall be called the ministers of God. You know what that means? Now hear this. When you say you are a minister of the gospel, what is that supposed to mean? You are a preacher of the gospel. You are revealing the gospel. You are a minister of Christ. means you are dismissing Christ. You minister of agriculture, for instance, in a community or in a country, means you are in charge of agriculture. Through your portfolio, man, we have enough food. Is anybody catching this? Good. Minister of education, you are ensuring that in the country there is literacy, no illiteracy. Through your portfolio. Now, you get this right. What does it mean to be a minister of God? You're ministering God Himself. So of a truth, what we have today is actually ministers of the gospel, not minister of God yet. Because God is immortal, God doesn't die. So if you come to become a minister of God, that means you are distributing immortality to people. Did you get that? (laughs) Is it making sense to you? So what we really have, all of us are actually ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Francis did you get that. <laughs> because here, yeah, you see, the makithic order is an order of what? An endless life. Is that okay? And God doesn't die. God is immortal. So if you're ministering God, you're distributing God. <laughs> so, so, but the time is coming when we shall truly be called what? The ministers of God. But for the now, we are ministers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And that is a realm of an endless life. I used to say that people don't really seem to catch it up with me. But do you realize that if Jesus, at the state that he was, he never ministered to anybody who never died again. Even the people he raised from the grave or raised from the dead, they still went back. We are made to understand Lazarus was raised from the grave, but did he live forever? No. Why? Because at that level, he was not a minister of eternal life. In quotes. Is that okay? And I say this, sometimes people get me wrong and they don't seem to so agree with it. But Jesus never raised anybody after he rose from the grave. Why? If he had raised anybody, that man would have been living till now. Because he was ministering in the order of Melchizedek when he rose from the grave. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? So if you are touched anybody, it was going to be life. So we, we're talking about people who will rise into this realm of ministering just not about what life. And those they raise, if I tell they try to raise anybody from the grave, will never go back to the grave. Because then you, who is a minister of God, have also put on the same nature. You can only give what you have. Peter says, Silver and gold have I know, but that which I have. What did he do? He raised the cripple, he had Christ. No, if you begin to have God the way you should have God, whatever you minister is what? God. And God can die. So if you raise anybody from the grave, it's not going back to the grave. Praise God. <laughs> Are you there with me? So when we're talking about uh, that verse seventeen of First Thessalonians, there's something I want us to know there. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse seventeen. Very important. But that's not help you anyway. It gives you hope. It gives you a desire to press on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We, we must understand that this mortality will put on what? Immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption. That when you put on incorruption, what can you give out? Incorruption. Are you seeing that? That is when truly we can be called what? Ministers of God. But now we are ministers of the gospel Of Christ But there's hope Can I hear an amen Amen Amen. Now I want you to look at this plot. It said then quit your life I want to use the word then quit your life Okay Let's go back to verse 16 again So that we can take it together For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven With a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17. Then we which are alive. So, the thing began with what? Then. Which are alive shall be caught up together with them. With which people? Those who are alive and remain. Or the dead in Christ now. So, what can we understand by this? Remember, don't forget the thing. start with what? Then. It means we who are alive and remain i don't know if you still remember what it means to be alive and remain you have not come into the fullness you're alive in christ but you still have some issues Isn't that Okay, right who are alive and remain shall have the same experience as those who have gone into the most holy place before the rest that's what he's saying now the dead in christ they move into a higher authority into that which has to do with the realm of endless life, the Melchizedek order that Christ have entered as a foreigner. Because he is the firstborn among many brethren. You get that? So he has entered into that realm then those who are alive, I mean those, those who are dead in Christ they rise first, they are the forced to come to that same place that he is and then we who are alive can you get it now? To join up with those who are dead in Christ to enter into the same realm. That's what he's saying. You get that? Okay, praise the Lord. So that's why I use the word then. We speak of that which follows the false. That is the dead in Christ who rose first, experiencing a change into a higher and a better life and all that that might bring many sons into glory with Christ as a pattern son to rule and reign with him. Praise God. Hebrews chapter six, verse seventeen. Let's just take a look at that. Hebrews six seventeen, and he says, we are in God willing, more abundantly to show unto us the heirs of promise, the immutability of His counsel, confirm me by word and oath." Praise the Lord. Hebrews two verse ten. Let's look at Hebrews two verse ten. For it became him For whom are all things About whom are all things In bringing what? Many sons unto glory To make them captain of their salvation Perfect through what? Through suffering The point I want you to know is Bringing them into what? Glory Many sons But it be the first Amen So what it means is Whatever experiences, a realm of authority that the dead in Christ have moved into, those who are alive and remain will also come into it at their own order. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read this, you may not have it, in your... I'm not sure you have this translation, it's called Philip Translation. I want to read 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 22 to verse 28. Just pick up some passages from there for you. 22 to 28. But if you can, anyone you want to put in fine. First Corinthians 15, verse 22. This is what it says. As members of a sinful race. First Corinthians 15, 22. You can check any scripture you want to read. I'm reading from the Philip translation. As members of a sinful race in Adam. All men died. As members of the Christ of God In Christ all men Shall be made Shall be raised to life Each in his own proper order But every man Beck's translation says But every man in his own group The word order speaks for what? Group So you watch the group there We see it with Christ the very first And after him all who belong to him. The dead in Christ and those alive and remain. When he comes, now the word comes I will explain it later is actually the word parousia. Parousia means that which is present, not that which is going to come. I will explain that. In said, then, note till then when Christ have abolished all the rule Authority and power, hand over the kingdom to God the Father, Christ's reign will and must continue until every enemy of God have been conquered. He moved on said, Nevertheless, when everything created have been made obedient to God, then shall the Son acknowledge Himself subject to God the Father, who gave the Son power over all things. Thus, in the end, shall God be holy and absolutely God. Praise the living God. If you have the Amplified Translation, let's look at the last two verses of 26-27. Let me look at that. Amplified Translation, if you can get it. The last enemy shall be subdued and abolishes is that. 27. For he the Father have put all things in subjection unto his Christ's feet, But when it says all things are put on subjection unto him, it is evident that himself is exempted who does put subject all things unto him. Look at the next verse. However, when everything is subjected to him, then the son himself will also subject himself to the father who put all things unto him so that God may be all in all. What's the meaning? Be everything to everyone, supreme, the indwelling and controlling factor of life. Now you see, you have been controlled today by the spirit of Christ. Is that okay? But there comes a time when the kingdom is totally committed over unto God. God becomes the controlling factor within your life. You must understand that there was no man between Adam and God in the garden. In the very beginning. Praise the Lord. So it was God and Adam. And remember the prophets in First Corinthians, and even 2 Corinthians 16 and 6, it tells you that you are the temple of God. And what's the next thing it tells you? It said, I'm going to dwell in them. I'm going to do what? Walk in them. In other words, God is going to have his expression at the funeral time through you and I. Is that okay? Are we together? So you see. Through the subduing power of Christ, all realms of creation are being brought back to God. In accomplishment of His purpose. And what was His purpose? Let's read a few things. Uh, you may also have this in your system. The Living Bible. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. See, God is bringing everything into harmony with Himself. Through Christ. Through the power of Christ. He said, everything will be brought under feet. All other dominion, all other power, the last enemy to be conquered is what? Is death? Nullifying death, that there will be no more death. Some people end up this to say, well, the death here is referring to um, the law, because First Corinthians fifteen tells the same thing. This thing of the law is dead, and the power of death is, and power of the law is sin. Right? Okay. Power of sin is the law. So they feel that death is referring to the law, and so they also say. Well, since the law has been abolished, death have been abolished. But friends, it goes beyond that. I'm not just talking about spiritual death. I'm not just talking about a death in terms of sin. I'm talking about physical death. We also come to an end. Because, like I keep saying, human being is not a getting pig farm for God that is doing experiments. You give birth to children, they grow up, they die, they grow up, they die, they grow up, they die. Now, there will be an end to this cycle of death that man is going through. Can I hear an amen? alright so Ephesians 1 verse 10 I'm going to read from two or three translations the Living Bible says and this was his purpose like I'm saying God has a purpose from the very beginning this was his purpose that when the time is ripe, right, he will gather us all together from wherever we are in heaven or on earth to be with him in Christ forever Ephesians 1 verse 10 right okay okay and NIV let's look at NIV this is what he says Let me read from verse 9, NIV. Ephesians 1, from verse 9, from NIV. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ. God has a purpose. Verse 10. To put into effect when the times we have reached their fulfillment, times, not time, Times ages, so we gotta understand that. Amen. To bring all things in heaven and earth together under on one head, even Christ. All things, every disharmony in creation is getting harmonized in who? In Christ. Times that means there are seasons, there are ages that God is working this out. So sometimes we read and say, well, this is everything's fulfilled in 80 seventy. No, that's not true. God's business did not end in 80 seventy, folks. Praise God. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying here? Alright. Now, let me read from another translation. This is the Philip translation. I love this translation as well. This is what it says. His purpose in his sovereign will... He proposes in His sovereign will that all human history shall be consummated in Christ. And I like that. That everything that exists in heaven or earth shall find its perfection and fulfillment in Him. Everything in heaven and earth shall find its perfection. In other words, I love this verse. He said, All human history shall be consummated in him. All human history, from the very day one to the end, shall be fitted together in who? In Christ. That's when everything will find perfection in creation. That's what he said. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Now let's go down to, let's read it from I an Amplified translation. I want us to go to verse 7 from the Amplified. Verse 7. Interesting. He said, In Him we have redemption. In who? In Christ. And redemption includes deliverance and salvation. Through His blood, the remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of His gracious favor, which He lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom. And understand the practical insight and prudence making known to us the mystery the secret of his will of his plan and of his purposes and I want you to get it. secret of what his will his plan his purposes Whose God's and it is this what is it what is the plan what is God's purposes what is his will? And it is this. In accordance with his good pleasure. His merciful intention. Which he has previously proposed. And set forth in him. He planned. For the maturity of the times. And the climbers of the ages. To unify all things and held them up and consummate them who in Christ both things in heaven and things on the earth this is God's purpose everything coming into harmony in Christ praise the living God are you there this is God's plan everything is coming together so that's what I'm saying we have no precedent over those who are falling asleep we are all coming together into the same realm Hallelujah. So then to be caught up together with them in the cloud, like we can read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, is the union of all three categories of the risers. Those who fall in asleep, those who are alive and remain, the dead in Christ. All coming together. That's what it means for us to be caught up together with them. We are in the clouds. What cloud? The cloud of weaknesses. Not in the empty space. Praise the Lord. It is the union of all three categories of the risers that are coming together to share equal glory. Scripture says we have no precedent. We have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. No advantage. Hallelujah. So like we read, or we can see from that first telling the dam speaks of the dead in Christ, and the realm they now occupy, as they move first into the rank of the Melchizedek priesthood, in the most holy place within the veil, like we said before. Praise the living God. So we can see this very clearly. And like I said, yeah, when he says, coupled together in the clouds, it's actually talking about the cloud of glory. The union of the entire saints of God. Just like we can see in Hebrew chapter 12, verse number 1. The cloud of witnesses. Amen? So here we see that we do not have any advantage over those who are falling asleep. Just as we can see in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. That is what the whole of these three categories and First Thessalonians is all about. And so when you go to verse 18, look at what it said in verse 18. Let me show you now. This is what he said in verse 18. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 18. Very strong scripture. Therefore, can you give another translation? Another translation. So then, encourage one another with these words. Can you get that? The summary of what he's saying from First Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 13 to 17... Is to give you hope that even if you are dead in the cemetery in Christ, which is falling asleep, then if you are dead in Christ, then if your life remain, we are all going to share equal glory. So for those that have died in Thessalonica, don't grieve over them like those who have no hope. So the hope is hope of resurrection. Can you, can you follow what I'm talking about? Go back to verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. Let me show you I' go back to verse 13. Our friends will want you to know the truth about those who have died so that you will not be sad as those who have no hope. That's it. So what hope? Was the hope of resurrection? I mean, ascension? I mean, rapture? No. What hope? Hope of resurrection. A lot of people have died in this church And people were crying And being in sorrow So he was writing to encourage them Don't be in sorrow Even you who are alive and remain And those who are dead in Christ Don't be in sorrow over those who are falling asleep For we are all going to share equal glory Praise God And said so those who are dead in Christ They will rise first And those who are alive and remain we Will be caught up together with them to move into the place of glory behind the veil. To minister the endless life ministry. We are all going to share equal glory. So get down to verse 18 again. After speaking from verse 14 to 17, we speak of the three categories of the riser. He said, So then encourage one another with all these words. That's the whole thing about First Thessalonians. It's just an encouragement. For those who are sorrowing because they lost their people. It wasn't an encouragement in relation to getting to the rapture. It was an encouragement to say, man, there's resurrection. There is glory. That is forthcoming. Praise God. Now let's use the word. I want to deal with this word uh, with this few more minutes. Uh, let's get on again to verse 17. King James. You can look at the King James again. Let me show you that. It says, then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be king. Shall we ever be? Uh, okay, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Go to verse 16 and think. Let me see. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout and with the voice of Archangel, angel and with the trump of God and then the deadly Christ shall rise hmm Then verse 17 now. And he says, then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord now in terms of his coming right when the Lord shall come the coming of the Lord the word used here is the word parousia and parousia means the invisible presence of Christ in his church so when it shall come, it's not talking about when it's coming from the sky. I'm going to give you some simple um, illustration as such in the use of this word. But let's first of all understand this. When you, you know, scripture says we will not walk by sight but by faith. If you know the story of what happened to Thomas Didymus in John chapter twenty, reading twenty-four to thirty, you know the story. When he appeared to the disciples after resurrection, and they thought he was a ghost, and he said, "I'm not. A, I won't until I see him. I won't believe." I mean, if you understand that, very good. And when Jesus finally showed up, what he told him it's more blessed. To believe and yet you have no sin. Is that okay? Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have what believed. That's what he told him. So, in other words, you 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 are blessed knowing, you are blessed having the understanding that Christ is with you instead of waiting for him to come for you to handle. Is that all right? So there's a blessing attached to walking in faith. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, We walk not by sight, but what? But by faith. So, to be looking for a physical Jesus, before you believe it or his parousia, is to walk by sight. Then I'm going to give you some simple illustration from the scriptures. To tell you how God moves. Praise the Lord. Um... You know, Jesus, sometimes, when, when when Thomas was saying, I would like to handle, he wanted to walk by sight. He wanted to walk by sign. He wanted proofs. Is that okay? Right. And one thing that Jesus said is, this generation is a wicked generation. Because you're only looking for proofs. <laughs> Signs are proofs. Anytime you're looking for evidence before you believe, you're a wicked man. Now, did he say Jesus said that? <laughs> Glory to God. Are you with me? Amen. Now, let me show you something. Paul made a similar statement so that you can understand a little bit. 1 Corinthians, I think, 5 is number 3. 1 Corinthians, 5 is number 3. What he said, for I verily, as absent in the body but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that have done this thing or this deed absent in body but present in spirit. Now, Paul was saying, Here yeah, is this man I committed a crime, right. And he was saying, banish him. That though I'm not in charge, but I'm present with you. I'm not physically there, but I'm present with you. How am I going to be present with you? By my spirit. Are you there? Praise the Lord. Now, the word present is perereemi. Which speaks of being present in spirit, though absent a body form. I am present in spirit, but in the bodily form, I am absent. I can still walk with you, though I'm not there physically. Paul said, though he's absent bodily, but spiritually, he's there with them in the church. So why do you think it's difficult for Jesus to be with you, even though he's not physically present with you? Okay, In Exodus 19 If you look from 9 to 18 We don't have time to read all of that What happened? We were told that God came down In a thick cloud Have you read that before? Now Did, any, did anybody see God in a physical form? No But was God present in Mount Sinai? He was present He was present Praise the Lord In Exodus 25, 8-22, God spoke to Moses and he said, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And there I will meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. If you look at the mercy seat in the temple, which is the most holy place. God was speaking from there. But there was no physical being. But was God present there? Yes. Praise the Lord. So God was not speaking from the sky. He was speaking from the temple. But there was no physical human being. But he was present. Is that okay? I'm still asking. Why do you think Christ cannot be in this church? Except you see him physically. Now you miss it. You just acting like Thomas Didymus. Praise God. There was no physical being there. In Genesis 11, if you look at 5 to 8, you have this story of how God said He was going to come down to confound the language of those that were building the Tower of Babel. Remember that? We know that no man came down as a physical being called God. But the fact that the language of the people were confounded shows that God did what? Came down. He was present. Praise God. Nobody saw a physical God came down. Say, I'm going to come down to confirm their language. Nobody saw that, but God was there. Praise the living God. So, this is what I'm saying. In the church, Christ is present. So when He say, "When He shall come," He's talking about His parousia, His invisible presence in the church. He's not talking of a literal thing. The word parousia means that which is present, but what? Invisible, You can see with your natural eyes. That's what the word parousia means. Praise the Lord. And that is the word that is used in 1 Thessalonians. The invisible presence of Christ. Of course, we hear and we preach it and we talk about it. But it's like we don't seem to believe it. What did he say? I will not leave you. I'm always with you. To the end of the age. Did he say so? Glory to God. So let me just look at this finally and then we can close for tonight. First Thessalonians 4, verse 15. Again, the word we're dealt with now is that word I've just read for the Lord Himself, 15 15 1 5. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, which will alive and remain unto the coming. That's the word I'm looking for, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you of the Lord shall not prevent them which was what asleep. The word coming is the word parousia. Or the parousia. People call it parousia. Whatever it is. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. The parousia. Which is the invisible presence of Christ in his church. Shall not prevent them. In other words, as Christ is, come on here. I told you. Oh now. So let's go to Philippians before I come back here. Oh. Philippians chapter 3, let's look at verse 2021. 20, Talking of the invisible presence. For our conversation is the heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Praise God. And the who shall change our body that may be fashioned like unto His glorious body according to the walking whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. What I'm looking for, what I'm, no. Go to King James. I mean, um, Amplified Translation. Let's get back again to verse 20. But we are citizens. That's what conversation means. Conversation is not talking to each other. Conversation, the word conversation means one's well, citizenship. A, we, but our citizenship of state of commonwealth, homeland which is in heaven, and from it also we earnestly and patiently await the coming parousia. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah. That's in what here? Parousia, the invisible present, It's within this realm of the church. Within this realm of from a common weight of nation. As citizens of heaven. That we are expecting. The manifestation of the Christ. That's within us. And that's what take you to Colossians 3. Right? Verse 3 again. When Christ who is alive shall appear. Then shall we appear with him what? In glory. Praise God. You there with me? Alright. So if you go back to First Thessalonians four and verse fifteen now, the word coming is the word we've just dealt with in Philippians chapter three, verse twenty one. The same thing, the parousia. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, like we said in verse fifteen, it said, We shall not prevent, we shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now the word, that's for 15 now, I'm dealing with 15. Praise the Lord. That word prevent is the Greek word which means beforehand. That is anticipated or preceded by extent to have arrived or attained or to prevent. So what it means here is. None of those words in this particular definition means to stop or to prevent a group of people from attaining to or maintaining the Lord at his parousia. I mean meeting the Lord. Read it again. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. What it means is we do not have advantage over anybody. Praise the Lord. We do not have advantage over those who are alive. We do not have advantage over those who are asleep. We do not, have, nobody have advantage over each other. We all are attaining to the same place with the fullness of the Christ. Praise the Lord. So that's what it means to proceed. Okay. Wow. Let me see. I want to... If I may read that, just that verse again. From about two different translations. This is what it says. We will not in any way precede those who have previously fallen asleep. Here is word we'll precede. Then, that's the Philip translation. Williams Beckley translation said. Shall not forestall those who have died. I mean, New English Bible. Shall not forestall even those who have died. Then, William's translation says, We have no advantage at all over those who are falling asleep. Beck's translation, We will not get ahead of those who went to rest. Praise the Lord. Right. So, this is just what it says all over. Amplify said the same thing. We don't have any advantage. From the Amplify translation, you can see it more clearly. Let's look at the Amplify translation again. It says, for this we declare to you by the, by the Lord's own words. That we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way proceed into his presence. Or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen asleep in him in death. Can you get that? We don't have any advantage. We don't have any privilege. We are all sharing the same thing. This then is the consolation that Paul was giving to those in Thessalonica who have held this natural situation that some of the members have died. Praise the living God. So we find that the whole thing is dealing with our joint perfection and not necessarily our flying to meet the Lord in the sky as the church has commonly believed. This is why we read in the same thing as taught in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 40. Talking about the heroes of faith So Hebrews 11 verse 40 Amplified translation Because God has made Had a mind I mean Had us in mind And has something better and great In view for us So that they, the heroes of faith Those heroes and heroines of faith Should not come to perfection Apart from us Before we could join them Before we could join who? The heroes of faith. Praise the Lord. Nothing. In other words, we are all forming a company. A group of people. So when you come to Hebrews 12, again verse 1 and then 22, 23, it talks about we're coming together. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 1, amplify, and then verse 22. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every weight. You know what I mean? Cloud of witnesses. Is that okay? Let's go to verse 22, Hebrews chapter 12. He says, "But rather you have come to Mount Zion." Now, what it says, "Rather," is comparing two mountains. One is Mount Sinai. One is Mount Zion. Is that okay? Right. So, in other words, Mount Mount Sinai is dealing with the Old Testament, Mount Zion is there with the New Testament. Is that okay? Right. So, but you've, rather, you've come to Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless multitude of angels in festal gathering. And the verse 23 says, And to the church assembly of the firstborn, who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to the God who is judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made world perfect. Praise the living God. Amen. Now, the next thing somebody may be asking, Pastor David, what are you talking about? Because you see, the joining together is a perfecting of these things. What it means to say now is, somebody will be asking the question, what do you mean? Nobody is perfect. We are not perfect yet. <laughs> I want to read something for you. And to you. Colossians 2. Let's look at verse 10. Amplify. or oh, If you want, I read it from King James before you go to Amplify. If you can. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and what? Powers. So let's take it from the Amplified translation. And you are in Him, made full, and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature, and He is the head of all rule and authority, Of every angelic principality and what? And power. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? You've come to full maturity. In who? In Christ. That is what perfection really means. Perfection is the fullness of Christ. Being manifested. And you are perfect in him. So the saints of old and yourself. You've all come together in that realm. Something better for us. Day without us cannot be made what? Perfect. What really means day without us cannot come to the place of maturity. Praise the Lord. So you see, to live outside the authority of Christ and depending on vain philosophy and wrong religious thought is the realm of imperfection. That is just what he's talking about. Because what he's dealing with here is, anyway, let's go back and read it a little bit. Go to verse um, 5. Let's remember verse 5. Colossians 2 verse 5. King James, if you will, uh, to make it quick for us. Uh, Colossians two verse five: Although I be absent in flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, join and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Verse six: As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And seven: Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abiding therein with what? Thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through what? Philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. After the rudiment of this world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth what? All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in what? In him which is the head of all principalities, what? And powers. Verse 11 says whom he also has circumcised with the circumcision made with her hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of it of Christ, so that's what it means in other words, imperfection is to walk in a realm of religious deception when you begin to walk in philosophical ideas, outside of Christ, religious doctrines that is not, you know synchronized with Christ's thoughts intents and purposes, you live in the realm of imperfection Perfection is just simply being in Christ. Praise the living God. Amen. Now remember, He said you are completing Him with the, I mean, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The completeness of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember what He said in the beginning. In the beginning, God said, Let us make man. The word God is Elohim. Is that okay? Right. So Elohim is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the completeness of God and so you are also part of it so you are completing him with the father, son and the holy spirit put together it's in Christ and so if you walk in a realm of imperfection it simply means you lack from a you are not completing him praise the living God realm of incompleteness Are the word rightly declares amen praise the Lord are we still here so you see, we are growing in perfection and not into perfection. Now, I want you to get there because it's very important. <laughs> Listen again. We are not growing into perfection, we are growing in what? Perfection. Am I, am I, are you catching what I'm trying to say here? Now listen to me. You are a human being. You grow as a human being. You don't grow into a human being. Is it making sense to you now? Very good. You are perfect. You are growing in perfection. You are not growing into perfection. Did you get it? What is perfection? Christ. Now you are in Christ. So you are growing in Christ. You are not growing into Christ. So as long as you hold the word of Christ, as long as you can follow his teaching, you'll be growing in what? Imperfection. In so every one of you is in perfection. You are growing in perfection. You are not growing into perfection because perfecting you are already perfect in In Christ. But as a baby, as a human being, a baby can stumble, can make mistakes. Do you understand it? That? that does not stop the child from being called a human being. So, the fact that you make the mistakes you're making doesn't mean you are not perfect. You are perfect, but you are growing what? In perfection. And so, the process of growth, like a baby, you can stumble, you can make mistakes, you can do all manner of things. But the first thing you need to realize is as long as we are in Christ, you are what? You're perfect. That is what the word of God says. As long as you can trust in His word, as long as you can believe in Him, you are growing in the process. What is important is for you to grow. And so you grow to the point where you begin to bear fruit. Every plant grows to the level when it begins to bear fruit. Remember that? Very good. So, as a perfect being, you grow to the point where you begin to bear fruit of all of perfection, which is the fruit of righteousness. It's a growth process. You're already in it. You are not growing into it. You are not going to be born into it. You're already in it. Praise God. Now we need to get there because it's very important. And the perfection, like the Bible revealed, is who is Christ. And you are in Christ. So once you are in Christ, you are in perfection. And so what happened? You being in perfection, you grow in perfection. You don't grow into perfection. Because you are a human being You don't grow into a human being You grow as a human being Come on Are you getting that? Very good And as you grow as a human being You come to the place where you become productive Same thing with you You may not be able to be bearing the fruit of the spirit now But I can encourage you tonight You grow to the place where the fruit will naturally come out of your life You don't struggle to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit No, 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 no Do you understand that? You don't struggle Joy should be a natural thing Love should be a natural thing Temperance, patience Should be a natural thing These are the fruit of the spirit And it comes out of the realm of maturity So as you grow in your perfection You come to the place of maturity And the fruit begin to ooze out of your life You just love people Without any constraint You just love people In fact you come to the place where you can't stop loving You can't help yourself but just to love people because God loved so much that he gave. Amen. And I'm going to preach a message on your dad. Right. Maybe next week or the other week. Every one of you is a gift. And that's what means. Every one of you is a Christmas season. God so loved that he gave. And you call it Christmas. And what did he give? He gave a son. Who are you? You are a son. So every son is given. You have a Christmas. Do you understand that? Come on. You follow what I'm talking about? Anyway. We'll come to that. But did you follow what I said tonight? We are coming to the place of perfection. We have no advantage over anybody. Encourage one another in this world. So I leave that to you tonight. The same thing. Encourage people. There is no hope. In terms of hope of a rapture The hope has to do with a resurrection A coming to the place of power coming to the place of dominion Ruling and reigning And the power of the Holy Spirit As we walk and rule and move in perfection Because we are perfect people And we are growing in perfection And time comes when we bear the fruit of the Spirit And it's not a matter of struggle It's a natural thing for you to bear the fruit of the Spirit When you come to the place of maturity I love you God bless you